Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Join us today on a subject that we all talk about and none of us like, but I wonder if we really know what it is. Stress. What is stress? In one definition that I've just read, stress is an instinctive defense reaction that helps us survive. Our stress reaction is powerfully intelligent. It helps to prepare us for physical activity. It helps our body to react with increased heart rate, higher blood pressure, uh, and effective breathing. Our muscles get tense and our immune system gets activated and stress hormones like adrenaline gets pumped out. So is stress really a problem? And if it is, what can we do about it? Our guest today is Frederick Liebheim. Frederick is a psychologist, an internationally recognized ACT trainer, and a clinical researcher at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm. Frederick has been working and developing programs for using ACT for stress for teenagers and social workers and nurses. Uh, he, together with a couple of other authors, have come out with a book that will be out in May called The Mindful and Effective Employee. Today, Frederick is going to talk to us about what stress actually is, why it's a problem, and what an ACT therapist can do or how ACT approaches this problem. You can read more about Frederick and his work on his homepage, which is actually in Swedish, but will be coming out in English. But you, I, his email address uh, you can find by clicking on his name on this week's program of webtalkradio.net. Now remember that ACT approaches all include three parts. The first part is about opening up to my own private experiences. And that means my thoughts my feelings, and my physical sensations. And once you open up, the second part is about becoming aware, which means seeing thoughts for what they are, which are just words or sounds rather than truths, seeing sensations as you know, just vibrations rather than the names that I give them. And once I've realized that I am not my thoughts or my sensations, but rather I am the arena where these phenomena come and go. Then I can move to the last part of ACT, choosing an action which coincides with a value direction I want to go into. 
um, as opposed to a simple reaction or impulse to fear. So I want to welcome you, especially tonight, Frederick. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Frederick, you know, our listeners are always interested in the in the human being behind the researcher and the clinician. So what got you interested in in this subject? <laughs> wow. That was a personal question. Mm. Well, to be quite honest, I, I come from a quite rough and traumatic childhood where with a lot of violence and abuse and um, I guess I would say that my childhood, my childhood was a lot of chronic stress. So, as a young adult, I more or less was forced to find effective ways to deal with those memories and, um, and difficulties from my past. And I had two young, two older siblings that didn't turn out well for. So, yeah. So that's sort of why I got interested in stress. I sort of needed to find ways to cope for myself as well. That that sounds that sounds really difficult, Frederick. What how what helped you with that inner stress? Well I guess I was searching in many different arenas uh, to find something that could be like effective tools to deal with this, but the turning point came when I actually more or less stumbled into a Buddhist monastery in Thailand 20 years ago. And, and there I found one of the assistants and I, I sort of, I asked her, could, could I ask you a question because I was curious? And she said, no, I am typing, <laughs> but I will be with you in five minutes. And I was sort of, that was a bit rude. But then she, in five minutes, she turned around and she said, now I am with you and she was so fully present so I was just blown away and I I decided that I want to taste something of what she's experienced because to me that was she was totally present here and now and I could sort of sense that she had found some kind of peace of mind so at that point I, I, I asked if I could learn to meditate there and did a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat and that changed my life well, Frederick, most of our listeners should probably probably never get a chance to go to a ten day <laughs> ten day retreat. Um, uh, but meditation seems to be something as a, of a contrast. I mean, meditation is often taken up as a uh, way to deal with stress. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Uh, well, I would say that. Um, we live in such an information-dense society where actually what is the problem with stress is that our thinking can create a physical stress response and we spend more and more time thinking and I would say that that puts us as a species into a new challenge. We need to find ways how to find restoration and wind down from the stress that thinking can produce. And to me, mindfulness, at least in the forms that is not closely associated to religion, the, mm. the, the easier forms of mindfulness is just concentration training to constantly mm. bring us back to the here and now again and again 
and again and again. And that can have relaxing uh, properties on because when we are here and now, we're not stressing ourselves, ourselves up over what can come and what has been. Yeah, let me just, um, for the listeners, um, you know, many, I probably most people don't meditate. And um, mm-hmm. so you're saying that uh, if in, in the, in the where, where we live today, um, that thinking and verbalness and language is, is quite o- overpowering and that meditation would be uh, as a contrast to that. When you say here and now, you mean here and now more in the body as opposed to being in, in your head, in your mind, in your thoughts. Exactly. And I would also say that it doesn't necessarily have to be mindfulness like formal meditation. It can be like whatever helps you get into contact with the here and now. I think that for most people, exercise is a beautiful way of getting in contact with the here and now in our body or taking a stroll in a beautiful forest or maybe being fully present in in a meeting with a child or Mm -hmm. someone we like or just a stranger. Just mm-hmm. whatever takes you to the here and now. Hmm. Well, let's let's begin from the beginning, Frederick, and, and help us to understand. So how would you define stress? <laughs> wow. Well, stress is a term that is commonly used today, but it's very difficult to define. And uh, there is no one definition that everyone agrees upon. Um, but I would say that most stress definitions has uh, a really simple definition would be that stress is the human biological and psychological response to various stressors. Mm-hmm. And also it's about how we sort of experience those stressors. So if we sort of experience that the environment is putting more pressure on us than mm-hmm. we can live up to, Mm-hmm. then there is a stress response or a stress reaction. Mm-hmm. And and the stress reaction is actually like a physical mobilization to meet the pressures we face. Mm-hmm. But, but, but explain that, Frederick. Why would, um, I mean, would somebody experience, one person experience something as stressful but not another person? Is it <laughs> dependent on, I mean, what, what makes the difference? Well... It's it's the stress reaction is 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 a combination of the external re- reality like what is the actual threat, mm-hmm. but it is also our interpretation of the situation like how bad is this, and also what we think our ability to manage the situation is. So it's it's a combination of those and and it's also varies because like what is stressful for one person does not need to be stressful for another. If we just take public speaking, in Sweden or in the U.S., about 30% thinks that public speaking is absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. But some people love standing there in front of the audience. So it's like very different what stresses us. Well, I mean, but that's what's hard to understand. Um, you know, I don't know if our listeners know Eckhart Tolle. He is probably... Uh, one of the most you know, international and famous mindfulness gurus. Yeah. And he, he, uh, his definition of stress was uh, resistance to the now. 
<laughs> yeah. So how could you explain that? Resistance to the now. Well, I wouldn't really use that definition, but it's sort of a nice definition as well, because I think that if we open up to the now with whatever it is, one side effect from that is that uh, we a lot of the stress probably comes from the resistance to the natural uh, experiences that we're having, like unpleasant emotions, thoughts, feelings. So just being present in the now and open up to it, I think, has the side effect of uh, reducing our stress. Well, that's what this is what I think is funny about stress because if you if you read Viktor Frankl's uh, descriptions of being um, in the concentration camps, he uh, he talks about uh, that you know when the when the the SS soldiers were standing over him and forcing him uh, by threat of death uh, to do certain you know really you know terrible jobs, and he made the decision that um, I this is my job and I'm going to do my best. And he found that uh, by not resisting and you know uh, complaining about the job, by actually reinterpreting it as my job, and I decide over what kind of a job this is. He mm. meant that that uh, was very helpful and helpful to survival of the concentration camp. So, is it po- is it possible that we can decide what stresses us or doesn't stress us? <laughs> yeah, definitely to a certain degree. But what what I think Viktor Frankl also did there was that he was taking charge of his life. Mm-hmm. And usually in most situations we are, if we decide to act on our values like Viktor Frankl did there, mm-hmm. that is also a way of taking control of a life or taking charge of our lives, defining mm-hmm. that I decide to stand for this. Mm-hmm. And what what we can see in stress research is that a, a special bad combination is if we perceive that we have low control over the environment mm-hmm. in combination with a high workload, mm-hmm. that is quite dangerous in the long run. Mm-hmm. So could we actually do things more in line with what we think is important and stress towards that? That also gives us both a sense of purpose and, um, and a sense of control. Okay. Okay, so that leads us to the next question, Frederick. So, what if if stress is basically a good thing? Why is it a problem? <laughs> yeah, it is. Stress response, like in like, can help us get alert and present and focused. But the problem with stress, most researchers agree upon, is not the stress itself. We are built to be stressed for weeks and months and maybe even years but what is really important is that we get time to for restoration and winding down and mm-hmm. energize ourselves so the problem with stress is mostly if it's over a long period of time without restoration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and and uh, when we talk about stress related problems what what type of problems well, if, it, if if we're stressed for a long time, stress is related to a lot of different disorders like 
if you talk about psychological disorders, stress can eventually lead to depression, anxiety. And if the stress is really acute, like life-threatening, we have post-traumatic stress disorder that can develop, doesn't have to, but can. But there are also other types of emotional strain, like dissatisfaction, fatigue, tension, or sometimes as a coping mechanism, we turn to aggression or substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also stress over a long time can cause problems with concentration and memory problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say that there are also concentration and memory problems and, and not a little bit depressed and stuff like that. It could be warning signs that that I have been stressing myself for a long period of time. And these are some warning signs that I really should take care of myself and let myself charge my batteries and, and do things that are good for me. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, you're saying you should do more when you're stressed, not less. <laughs> yeah, that that is exactly what I tell. I, I do... I have developed a group intervention for stress, and, and that is one of the main messages. To When you are stressed, you probably need to do more, but more of the things that gives you peace and restoration and nourishment. Okay, well, while we're on that subject, so how does actually ACT approach stress? Um... Well, the way I work with um, with stress in group format is the, the main ingredients is we, we start off with talking about like what is stress and how do I know that I'm stressed. And, and this is not typical act, but it's good to touch upon. And most people sort of know that. They know the signs and, uh, and, and so on. So, Frederick, let me just say, uh, you have worked with act in group settings uh, at workplaces, at schools, yeah. universities. Yeah. And and this has been in sort of large scale um, with a man, uh, manual. Yeah, exactly. So we have a group intervention that is 12 hours divided in four sessions usually. Mm -hmm. And it's given at those places where you said, and my work is to either give groups, but usually I train other psychologists or counselors or teachers that deliver the intervention. So I have trained like 300 group leaders that deliver the intervention regularly. Okay. Okay. So, so what are the main ingredients in that training? Well, I, I would say that like, we start off with what is stress, as I just said, but also like what is more typical act is like to really sort of dive into what what is it in my life that I can change and maybe should change, mm -hmm. and what is it that I do need to accept. Because there are some things that are unavoidable, like we're going to be sick, people will always going to be sick, we're going to lose loved ones, and so on. But when it comes to change, there usually is like things that we have control over, like different stressors. What are the stressors in my life and how can I, is there something I can do? Like workload, can I ask for more to do if it's too little or less to do? And can I get increased work control or influence over my work situation? And do I need to learn to say no to things? And is there things in my relationships that need some tidying up or healing and so on. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So those are things that um, that I that I could change. Yeah, usually we have some influence of that. And what about things that we can't change? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. As you said, like there there are things in our life that will be difficult, and and sometimes it's really intense, like a loss of a loved one or a sudden illness. But it can also be cancelled flight on our vacation and sometimes I say that like when we go through life shit will happen Mm -hmm. and and depending on how we relate to the shit that happens we can create more or less stress and suffering for ourselves Mm -hmm. but some things that most of us sort of need to accept to some degree hardships that will come is that we, we know that we will die and people we love will die and some 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 of us have difficult history that we need to relate to in the in the now and the body is aging and there will be pain illness and crisis and other difficult circumstances and sometimes uh, being tired sexual orientations and Sometimes we need to accept it. It is difficult to accept as well. Well, but Frederick, how how would a person know? Um, I mean, isn't this a problem? Like, what things can be changed and what needs to be accepted? Like, how would yeah. you know the difference? <laughs> wow! Well, you just said uh, the prayer that you use in AA, for instance, that is attributed to Niebuhr. Like, grant me the knowledge to know that. The wisdom to know that difference is, is the ending of it. So, how can I change the thing? God, give me the courage to change the things I can change, to accept the things I can change, and the wisdom to know the difference. And how do you know the difference? Well, as a rule of thumb, I would say that things in the outer world, we usually have some sort of control over, not always, uh, but things that happens inside our skin or between our ears, we usually have less ability to control. So because we are going to be in contact with what this, our central nervous system provides us with in form of emotions, sensations, thoughts. So when we use the control agenda on the world inside ourselves, we usually create more problems for ourselves because those things are usually unavoidable. But that would mean actually the actual our stress reaction cannot be controlled then. Um, that is a tricky question because it's the stress reaction is also connected to how we appraise the threat. Mm-hmm. So if you can open up and, and see it for what it is, the side effect of that is probably that stress levels would go down. Mm-hmm. But but if you use it as a control agenda, it, it can backfire. Can you, do you have an example of that? Uh, um, mm. You know, I was thinking about uh, sometimes we use the example about the lie detector with if you hold a <laughs> pistol to somebody's head and say, um, uh, relax. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. Yeah. That 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 one thing is to um, to react to something stressful, but but a lot of people are often very get scared of their reactions. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and so it becomes a vicious circle of stress and stress. 
Yeah. So if we just take panic attacks that that are quite common and really not very pleasant or quite uh, painful. So the first panic attack is often triggered by stress. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like the stress response. The the body's activating the fight-flight response or the sympatheticus response. And if we have had a panic attack, we know that it feels like I'm going to die and it's really unpleasant. Mm -hmm. So if I ever had that once, I will become much more vigilant. Like, is, is, is my heartbeat getting up now? Is this bad thing is going to happen again? And maybe I walk up the stairs and my heart goes. And then my mind interprets that, like, this is going to be one of those attacks again. And the brain sends out alarm, alarm. And mm-hmm. the body reacts with more fight flight and the brain reacts, well, now this is really happening, alarm, alarm. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. becomes a vicious circle and boom, there is a full-blown panic attack. Okay, so this would be about stressed, about being stressed. Yeah, exactly. So how, why does the, why do human beings do that? I mean, I mean we should know better if, uh, I mean, if, for example, if we know something is not, you know, actually real, but, you know, we're scaring ourselves. How come we don't... <laughs> why do we waste our time in the stress reaction if we know, know better? Yeah. Yeah, that is a good question. Well, I think that when, when we spend more and more times in our heads and, like, with, with media and what we think, like, the world is going to be about, we, we get into meta processes. So it's like... We're stressed about being stressed, and so, so like one example that I use in 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 our act intervention is is like if we just look if I look at my life, my life is sometimes it's it's quite okay, and then some really tough things happen in life. Maybe my partner gets ill, my mother gets an Alzheimer diagnosis, my sister has a life crisis. It's just too much at work. And life is really, really, really difficult. Yeah. And and then sometimes it's it's okay again. And then there is periods when wow, life is really great. And instances of wow, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then something happens, and it's really tough again. Mm. And maybe this is like what life is about, that it's going to be up and down. And that is like the normal state of life, that it fluctuates between those. Mm-hmm. And if we have the idea that life is going to be a perfect bliss in every given second, mm-hmm. then we will create stress over well, I'm stressed because I feel a bit depressed or I'm depressed because I don't think life is as good as as I think it should be. Mm. So we sort of get into circles about meta-stress, I would call that. Okay, so around the holiday season right now, um, certainly I think a lot of people through the media get these pictures of the way Christmas or New Year should be. Yeah. And, and, And I think those type of pictures create naturally a, a lot of stress for us because most of our lives don't look like they do in the in these <laughs> magazines or TV. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think if if we, including myself, just could sort of relax into the moment and enjoy what life is bringing me in the here and now and not have so many ideas or just let go of the ideas that automatically will pop up, 
Mm. But also, like, this is what, what sort of... Um, uh, I, I have a colleague that worked at, at one um, large Swedish magazine where this chief editor came in one morning and said, remember what your mission is? Your mission is to make Swedish women feel so miserable that they feel that they need our paper to get happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you think. Generally, the market seems to want to do is to... Uh, um, make us think that their product will help us uh, lose this stress and be happy. Yeah, yeah, that sells. We've got sort of off track here, Frederick. Yeah. So tell us about. Uh, uh, so we got the change and the accept. So how does ACT teach us to um, work with the stress that's inevitable in our lives? Well, we just sort of been discussing also, like normalizing that. The fact that life hurts uh, and how that can be stress-reducing, like we just talked about. But also, I think an important part is to investigate in how, what do I want my life to be about. Mm. There's a beautiful little um, passage in uh, Alice in Wonderland where she meets the cat and she asks the cats, which way shall I take? And then the cat says, well, it really depends on where you're going. Where are you going? And, uh, and Alice says, I don't know. And then the cat wisely answers, well, if you do not know where you are going, it doesn't matter which road you take. Mm. And, and it's basically the same with life. If we want to create the lives we want to live, we sort of need to be pretty clear ourselves what that is. Mm. Mm. So in the best of worlds, what do I want my life to be about? How, how would you know that, Frederick? I would say that... Um, you don't need to know. You rather choose. Mm -hmm. What would you like your life to be about? So, I don't quite understand that difference. <laughs> What's the so you you mean uh, that you don't in your head think where you want to go, but actually take a step and evaluate it? Or well, exercises that I do with the people I work is like think about their nineteenth birthday. I do a nice closed exercise and they can imagine their 90th birthday. And and then they can decide people that have been important, what would they want, what would they like those people said about you? Mm -hmm. How how have you been as a person? What what have you been, values have been shining through and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not like deciding with your head and not mm -hmm. like what you think you should do, but... Actually, like, just from yourself, what would you like your life to be about? And I would say that that is a free choice that we do. And sometimes it resonates within us that, like, yeah, this is something, this is directions, this is what I think is important. But sometimes I also think that that it's quite common that we have ideas, especially when when I work with young adults, that if I only look inwards, I should know what I really want. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we need to know that. It's more just deciding what do I want to be about. And we can change that all the time. But yeah. just to get, give us directions to move forward. Well, to and, create. And, and what would you, uh, so say a person does know where they want to go, what about, you know, the obstacles they're thinking, I have to do this first or this first before? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Surprisingly, many obstacles are in our mind, mm -hmm. like belittling thoughts, and um, um, and also we usually have a learning history where things have gone wrong in the past. So we have thoughts there that wants to warn us: don't don't ask that person for a date. He or she will only say no, and you will get hurt again, and so on. So. Obstacles, when they are in the form of thoughts, is to create a healthy relationship to them, to see them as thoughts, and still do what you want to do. Okay. Frederick, we're getting towards the end of our program. So oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fast. <laughs> um, we, I'm sure that we have listeners here to feel pretty stressed and took the time out to listen to this program. What what advice could you give our listeners uh, who feel stressed right now? Well, I would say that don't be too stressed about the stress. And the problem with stress is not stress. It's okay to be stressed in periods. But the problem is lack of winding down and revitalize. So I would say that the solution if you're stressed is do more but more of things that makes you wind down and gives you restoration, nourishment, and re revitalization. And also I would say that it could be good to practice your ability to be in the here and now and, and practice that constantly, whether if it's through walking the nature or being in relationships or exercise or but just be here and now. And also I would say that it, it is important to see like what are the stressors that you actually can influence and influence them and also find good ways to deal with things in life that are inevitable. Thank you very much, Frederick, for being with us today. Thank you. Pleasure being here. You've been listening to Frederick Liebheim, who is a psychologist and clinical researcher at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. You can read more about Frederick by clicking on his name uh, on this week's program on webtalkradio.net. Today we've learned about that the problem with stress is not actually stress, but rather the lack of more winding down activities like mindfulness, physical exercise, and not in the least, play. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.